Hi, this is Dr. William Renner. Thank you for joining me on this podcast on wellness uh, using uh, evidence-based medicine. Uh, I myself am board certified in internal medicine. I'm happy to have our guest, Dr. Alan Safdie, world-famous gastroenterologist and expert and lecturer uh, on nutrition. Uh, today, we're going to be uh, having a second part of our discussion on why diet and exercise alone don't uh, um, change your longevity. Alan, talk about that. Yeah, I mean, Bill, we hopefully everybody's listened to the previous podcast we did uh, last week. But, you know, we talked about endurance exercise was more beneficial to your health than resistance exercise. But it's not exercise as we perceive of it in this country. Exercise is part of our lifestyle, bike trails, walking trails, you know, um, being physically active in the garden, uh, not sitting watching television all the time. And, and we talked about a little bit, and we didn't go into depth in that, that there's more than one type of exercise. I said endurance exercise may be a little bit more beneficial. Alan, why, why don't you talk about the different types of exercise? It's So endurance exercise is the type of exercise you will get with walking, biking, running, hiking. Um, and it's that's more beneficial to the mitochondria, uh, the powerhouse of our cells. And they end up being in better shape um, when we exercise. Uh, people with poor uh, metabolic health, their mitochondria are not quite as robust. So, you know, but resistance training, like weightlifting, getting up and down out of a chair with weights, um, you know, and this resistance training can be done with just one set of weights and you can basically do all the resistance training you want is really an important part of for bone health and for helping with your balance and decreasing falls as one gets older. So it's an integral part of our wellness program is resistance training along with endurance exercises. Then the other types of exercise, one is stretching, whether it be yoga along with meditation um, or stretching on your own. I really don't care how you do it. And the last one is balance, you know, type of exercises. You know, as we get older, we start to lose the ability um, to maintain our balance. And if we don't stress it, we'll lose it. So I would, you know, caution people to not try it on their own, but have somebody with them or a trainer and go through some balance type exercises. And we could discuss that in the future. Um, but, you know, these exercises alone are not going to be the type of things um, you know, for short periods of time that benefit us. So, you know, why, you know, why, what's the sweet spot to reverse cognitive decline? Um, you know, do you have to, you know, how long does it take before you start noticing a benefit of people from ex never exercised? So if you've never exercised in your life, Bill, what do you think the sweet spot is to reverse, you know, decline in your cognitive function would be? You know, a year, 10 years, 30 years? Um, I would say it would be relatively quick, um, maybe uh, six months uh, to a year. Okay. Um, relatively quick is correct. Six months to a year is wrong if you're an elderly mouse. Um, <laughs> so we take mice and we test the cognitive ability of these elderly mice and follow them for defined periods of exercise. And you can find the sweet spot because mice don't have a placebo effect. Uh, that improve their spatial learning. So, you know, as they exercise, 
after 35 days, um, you know, you can have voluntary physical, uh, some sort of physical exercise, improve learning and memory. Um, now, is that going to equate the same in humans? It probably will. It may not be quite that quick. Um, but, you know, growth hormone levels peak during this time. Um, and, and demonstrate, you know, we can demonstrate that artificially raising growth hormone, and at least in these mouths, was effective in improving their cognitive skills. Uh, you know, so dementia is the second leading cause of death. If you go even to Australia, where you go a lot of times, it's a second leading cause of death of all Australians. Uh, and we don't have a lot of great medical breakthroughs. There's a new medicine, but it, I wouldn't call it a great breakthrough in regards to dementia. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what exercise really does, because I think if people understand what it does, they're going to be more prone to incorporate an active lifestyle forever um, and healthy eating. And we'll talk about some foods you want to incorporate also. But exercise stimulates brain regions that are involved in memory function. Um, yours, mine, everybody's. Why? Because when we exercise, we release a chemical called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, and I'll abbreviate that BDNF. And that rewires our memory circuits so they work better. Uh, so not only does it help with this healthy blood pressure and weight, improves energy, lifts moods, lowers stress and anxiety, keeps the heart healthy, you know, all of that contributes to brain health, but we also end up with this brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And people who exercise regularly are about 50% less likely to develop dementia. Um, you know, we were taught, you and I, when we were in medical school, we were taught we're born with a certain number of brain cells, and as we go through life, we lose them. Um, so that's not necessarily true. You know, we can improve our mental state. Uh, when we exercise, it has an effect of neurogenesis or the birth of new brain cells. So it is uh, really important. Now, for our audience, everyone wants to know how long and how much exercise. You know, we discussed that before. I don't, I, you know, I think that's one of the problems and that's the reason we have this topic is diet and exercise don't work. Is because if I said you have to exercise 20 minutes a day and you sit on the couch the rest of the day, that may not benefit you. Uh, if we look at previous studies that were done, about 22 minutes per day of active exercise decreases all-cause mortality about 31%, meaning all-cause mortality, and we look at the big causes of death, whether it be cancer, whether it be heart disease and strokes and dementia. So that 22 minutes a day is kind of a sweet spot of the active exercise. But the rest of the exercise, so if I go out biking. I also will always take a walk. My wife and I take a walk every single evening. Um, and you see me walking in the morning and, you know, whenever I have a chance, I'll go outside. Uh, but part of that is for other things. If you just sit, your brain function declines as you exercise. Studies shown immediately following exercise, your problem solving is better. Your memory is better. Your attention span is better. Um, so you need some kind of exercise that gets your heart and your sweat glands pumping. And it appears to boost the memory portion of your brain called the hippocampus. Uh, it's the brain area involved in memory, you know, memory and learning. So resistance training, balance training, muscle toning exercises are all important, but they don't quite have the same improvement, at least in the hippocampus. They all have their own 
benefits, but not in regards to the hippocampus. It's just continuously walking, biking, hiking, um, walking up the hills, just, you know, walk to dinner, you know, be active in regards to that. So if you're fit in your 40s or 50s, you have a later, you know, if we look later in your life, and this is in humans, not in mice, it's tied to a later dementia risk reduction. Um, so if I had one prescription for dementia prevention, it would be exercise in a healthy lifestyle. Uh, if we look at back, there was a study that's been done quite a few years ago, the Cooper Center for Longitudinal Study. And those in the highest quintile of cardiorespiratory fitness at roughly age 50 were 36% less likely than those in the lowest quintile to be diagnosed with dementia at age 65. Um, so, you know, really, really, really important to get that. So, you know, it's, you know, it's part of your lifestyle. So I don't want people just to think, you know, 20 minutes at the gym is going to work. And then we got to go back to diet. You know, what are the foods that should be incorporated? You know, what are the superfoods that we should be eating on a regular basis? And we've talked about these before, but, you know, very quickly, I won't bore people if they've listened to some of the other podcasts, but fruits um, and berries and these anthocyanins, you know, berries are particularly beneficial. You know, they're low in sugars, high in fiber, rich in this anthocyanins. And this vibrant color is something you want to add to your diet, and you don't need a tremendous amount of those. Um, legumes, you know, that can be incorporated. If we look at people in Sardinia and Okinawa and the places that live the longest, you know, they have a lot of legumes. Uh, the Seventh-day Adventists and Loma Linda also. And, you know, if you get it in the form of beans or lentils or however you're going to get legumes into your diet, uh, they're low in fat, high in protein. They have folic acid. They have magnesium. They have potassium. They have iron. But something very important: uh, instead of drinking soft drinks, you know, or artificially sweetened things, think about green tea. Just plain water is great. But you know, green tea in a lot of these countries is tremendously beneficial. And previous studies have looked at it as maybe lowering the risk of heart disease, cancer, diabetes, and Alzheimer's, as well as obesity, because you're leaving out some other things. Um, you want to include olive oil and healthy fats and nuts into your diet and dark green leafy vegetables and whole grains. We don't want processed foods. Um, we, you know, processed foods are terrible for us. So think about, you know, if you're eating grains, think about brown rice, think about quinoa, um, you know, any forms of whole grains, you know, oatmeal, and I have oatmeal every single day of my life almost. So those who ate, you know, people who ate about four servings of whole grains per day had a lower risk of dying during the 40-year follow-up period, and that was published in circulation. So, you know, think about your exercise patterns. Think about a healthy lifestyle. Just don't think I can, you know, go out and have a soft drink after I go to the gym or I can have a sugar-sweetened uh, coffee after I go to the gym and spend 30 minutes a day and I'm going to be healthy. Healthy is a lifestyle. It's not a diet. And exercise is a lifestyle pattern that we all should embark upon. Well, Alan, this has been a, a fascinating uh, discussion. If, if, you, if you like our podcast on evidence-based medicine, uh, please subscribe to our channel and please uh, tell your uh, friends about uh, our, our uh, podcast. Alan, what's next? What are we going to talk about next on our podcast? 
we have so many fascinating topics that we can go through, um, you know, that we've been looking at. What would you like to talk about? I mean, you just give me an idea of some things that, that, you know, I can give you some ideas. You know, we can look. Well, I, like, I like your balance exercise. Let's just talk about simple exercises that can improve your balance. Yeah, people have to be careful, but we can talk about that. I like somebody to be around. We can talk about sleep and diabetes. And, you know, there's a lot of recent sleep studies also. Uh, so I think it's time, you know, and I'm one that actually needs to probably get more sleep. Um, but, you know, sleep is related to lots of, you know, it's part of a healthy lifestyle, you know, having an adequate amount of sleep. So you can't go out and have a healthy lifestyle with exercise and diet, you know, a healthy diet, and then leave sleep out of that healthy diet. So we'll talk about balance exercises and sleep on the next one. All right. Sounds great. All right. Take care, Bill. Stay safe. Thank you.